I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'd like to be a queen of people's hearts in people's hearts, but I don't see myself being queen of this country. You're listening to Bandwagons. Out of my energy there not to laugh i'm gonna live with you why there was a giggle of brewing because of what we were because we were having a, a a good big laugh before we started recording but um and we'll continue to have a good big laugh um as we record but i really hope well, we well, have to have like moderate okay, laughs sorry. moderate like, laughs this week you not not about the topic but i mean you know what's like we find the joy in everything so yeah if you're not laughing you're crying as if we always laughing, say uh breed brown how are you getting on I'm good. We have big news. Will we just get straight into their big news? Yeah, let's get into the news. It's going to be a weekly episode. For 2020. Do you want to tell the people? We have uh, really exciting news that we have been keeping under wraps, I'm pretty sure. We haven't told anyone, mm-hmm. which is not like us. But we are going to be doing a live show in Liberty Hall next November, November 5th, 2021. Um, God willing. And tickets are on sale this Friday. This Friday, our lovely patrons get early access on Wednesday. So if you are a patron, you will have access to that link. If you want to sign up in the meantime, by all means, and you will have access to that link and you will be able to buy tickets ahead of the posse. We are very excited. We played a live show just before everything really went totally mad. And it was a gift and we miss it so much. And we've talked to people in the DMs about when we do something next or like having kind of in-person meetups and it's been impossible with the way things are, but hopefully given that this is pretty much an entire year away, we will be there and we will be with you all. And we will have such a big fat laugh about whatever we decide to do. And we are going to put on the best show possible for you. And we've already done three shows. So like we're well experienced. 
We have uh, 11 months to prepare, so it won't, I swear we won't do it the night before. I, yeah, so like, that's we, my promise to you so right now. So if you now. see us on the Instagram close friends joking about the fact that we haven't done any prep a week before, you need to get very angry with us because we have let you down as consumers of this podcast. <laughs> and 11 months, like we have all the time, in, well, not all the time in the world, we have 11 months to put into making this a really good show. So we're going, and that's what, exactly what we're going to do. We have. And it's the biggest we show we've ever played. We what? haven't played anything yet. Um, we've we've speculated, but we don't want to commit to anything. The show is called Brainworms. Yeah, Bandwagon's Brainworms. Um, yeah, so you can get those tickets 10 a.m. If you're a patron, 10 a.m. Wednesday through the Patreon. And if you're not a patron, you can get it um, on Ticket Study 10 a.m. Friday, or you can get them through our website, which I built. Um, Bandwagon'spodcast.com. Bandwagon'spodcast.com. Duh. <laughs> Vine. Maybe that's why people call it the Bandwagons podcast is because we keep putting the word podcast after bandwagons. I am fucking, be- yeah, I'm begging people now, including people close to us, stop calling it the Bandwagon podcast or the Bandwagons podcast. The Bandwagon podcast is and it's a, it's a sports podcast. Yeah. No, it's, it's not it's, us. It's Bandwagons. That's it. One word. Bandwagons, which is a podcast, but we are not Bandwagons podcast or the Bandwagons podcast. The pun doesn't make sense if you say the Bandwagon podcast. We just we have to put podcasts <laughs> so people know what it is if they're looking us up on social. But as a title, you don't go into Apple Podcasts and go, oh, Bandwagons Podcast. You go into Apple Podcasts and you go, Bandwagons. Mm-hmm. Right? Anyway, that's... Rant that's over. That. Good news, and that's the anger out of the way. Today... The good news, followed by the bad news. <laughs> and now we're... Um, today we wow. are discussing uh, the People's Princess, Princess Diana. Yeah. Suggested by... You breed because I don't think people have said we should do the crown. Like obviously, because series four came out, and I think around the time of series three as well, people were like you should do the crown, whatever. And neither of us have watched at that point. You have watched since I. No, I've I've watched it the whole way along. Oh, did I, you? I hated season three, so I just think the crown, the crown, isn't as much of a bandwagon as the royals themselves even are. People love the royals, but I think we could. We suggested doing an episode on the Royals first, but now I think we could break it down and take different sections of the Royals. Yeah, we definitely could. Um, so that's why, because pr- Diana is a whole episode in herself. Yeah, I just, um, I'm trying to make my way through Housewives first, right? I've enough telly to be watching. I'll get to the crown at some stage. The I'm real ones, not the desperate again. ones. But what my point was that no, I don't remember ever getting a suggestion of just doing Diana. And then at the same time, it makes such sense. Because she is such like a cult figure. Yeah, she's in, an icon. In the royals, in pop culture, in Fashion. everything. Like her influence is in so many areas of life. Yeah. And it's it's topical at the minute because people are watching The Crown and this is the season that Diana comes into it. She hasn't obviously been in it the whole way up till season four. Um, so that's why she's kind of on the tip of people's brains again and there's like different documentaries on Netflix about her and the tapes that she did with Martin Bashir and all those little, little bits about Diana yeah people are mad for it at the minute yeah Emma Karen plays her in this current series of The Crown and then Elizabeth Dubicki is going to take over oh no, every time I say that name I'm like I'm not confident that's how I'm going to google her because I didn't know Elizabeth Dubicki um, she was in oh she's beautiful oh what was the fucking what was the movie that came out The Great Gatsby not that one uh, 
Tenet. Tenet. She was in Tenet. How did you forget the name Tenet? It was your favorite movie there a couple of it months was, ago. It was okay. It wasn't my favorite movie. It, it was, was your favorite topic of conversation for a long time. Because what else was going on? I had to talk about something. Oh, I never got to see it. Pandemic. Um, she was in, she was in Widows as well, which was actually very good. Tenet. Widows is better than Tenet, but anyway, she's in. That. She was in The Great Gatsby as well, I think. I can't really remember The Great Gatsby. Yeah, it's been a while. Are you um, sure you're not thinking of Carrie Mulligan? No, I'm literally looking at like a Google. Oh, <laughs> you're looking at a Google. Um, she might have been in your Great Gatsby, but she was in a Great Gatsby, which all all good actors are. What are your earliest memories of Princess Diana? Because we were like, I don't have any. Like, or very young at the you were, time that she was still a thing. Yeah, I was three. You were two. I was asking, I literally don't remember her at all. And the most I've ever heard about her was um, up to 90 did, like when they were doing 90s topics, did an episode on Princess Diana. And that was the most I'd ever heard about her in one go. But I'd never really like, I'd never gone through the phase where I'd sit down and just like, I know people just binge Diana and they binge all like, I don't know, photos of her and all those documentaries better on Netflix. People just really go down holes for her, but I I haven't until right now. Now I'm, I'm all for it. Like I do, from a distance, I re- like I can see her influence and the good she did and her fashion and everything was class, but you know the way it's like a specialized object for some people? Yeah. It's, just, it's never massively, I'm trying to say this like sensitively, it's never massively interested me, to be quite honest. Um, yeah, I think it's because we were too young though. Yeah, that's fair. I do remember in 2007 watching the tribute concert for her that marked the 10th anniversary of her death. Oh, is this the song you were singing before we started? I keep singing this song. <laughs> I have a very specific memory in my head of this playing on the BBC and P. Diddy being a part of the lineup and doing I'll Be Missing You and like shouting and being like, we love you, Diana. And I'd be like, every single day. I remember it clear as That is shocking. I don't think I watched that. um, It was a pretty lit concert, if I can talk about that briefly before I get into anything else. Um, Dude, Elton, is that when Candle in the Wind came out? No, Candle in the Wind, he did at at the funeral. Oh, fuck, did he? So this was was in 2007, this is 10 years uh, later. Yeah. Um, 46th anniversary of their mother's birth and occurred a few weeks before the 10th anniversary of her death, actually on the 31st of August. And proceeds from this event were donated to Joanna's charities, organized by William and Harry, her sons, obviously, broadcast in 140 different countries across the world with an estimated potential audience of 500 million. Uh, 20,000 tickets were made available for purchase for the concert, selling out in just 17 minutes. Um, 63,000 people turned out to Wembley Stadium to watch the performances to commemorate Diana. Um, order of performances, right? So Elton John did your song. Duran Duran did Reach Up for the Sunrise, Wild Boys, and Rio. James Morrison. Why did they do Rio? I know. Like, it kind of gets worse. James <laughs> Morrison did You Give Me Something and Wonderful World. No, why was James Morrison there? I mean, two good songs. They are good songs, but like, he's not famous enough to warrant being they at Diana's tribute. Right to make James Morrison a thing then, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lily Allen did LDN and Smile, which I believe is truly what Diana would have wanted. Is that the one like with the what's the words of Smile? Um, with the nanny okay, getting robbed and stuff. Cry. Yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, Fergie, of course, no. did Glamorous. 
you could not pay me money to go back to 2007. Like, honestly. Big girls don't cry. Sorry, the next one is going Big girls don't cry. To, the next two are going to kill you, right? Oh. The feeling, fill my little world and love it when Fill my little world right <laughs> up, right up. Pharrell did drop it like it's hot. <laughs> oh, no, he didn't. And she wants to move. Two great songs. I don't think I'm not sure. I don't think Diana would have been an R&B fan, so I don't know why they're pushing all these on her. I mean, okay, quite. I mean, I yeah. I don't know. Uh, I can't speak for her. Now, I would absolutely say she would have been a fan of Miss Nelly Furtado, who did say it right. I'm like a bird, a man eater. I got it. Man eater. Um, That's it, that is massively did Swan Lake. Yeah, because she was a ballerina, which we'll get into. Well, she wasn't, but she was a fan of ballet. Um, status quo, Josh Stone, nobody cares about them. Roger Hodgson. Actually, sorry, this is iconic. Orson did No Tomorrow. <laughs> What's that? That's a fucking tune. Tom Jones did a few songs, who cares? Will Young. Yeah, okay. <laughs> did Will Young do... Uh, what's the one? What's the one he won with? Uh, Evergreen. I'm gonna take this night. Yeah. He did switch it on. I don't know what that song sounds like. Oh, not as good, I'd say. Um, sorry, Natasha Bedingfield did Unwritten. Uh, Anastasia did Superstar. None of the rest of them are funny, I'm going to be honest. Rod Stewart. Oh, Carrie West was there. <laughs> not one of them is appropriate, though, I don't think. They um, lost it at Elton John. like Jason Donovan and Donny Osmond did Any Dream Will Do. Kanye West did Gold Digger, Touch the Sky, Stronger, Diamonds from Sierra Leone, Jesus <laughs> No, Jesus then, walks. Then P Diddy did. I'll be missing you. Um, take that did a few songs. Ricky Gervais performed something for some reason, and then Elton John closed it and did. That's a that's an an offensive lineup. <laughs> it's just offensive after offensive. I was gonna say, don't like, do that at my funeral. Though. Imagine being at that concert. Like yeah, in fairness, they're probably just playing to the crowd. Like, but it, they shouldn't have done it in memory of Diana. Like that's really really inappropriate. I'm really offended by that. I didn't know her much, but like kind of annoyed about it. I genuinely am. Rod Stewart, fine. Elton John, fine. Like it's that kind of genre you want. They like they really lost me at Duran Duran, Rio. Like that's EP headliner two years ago. Her name was Rio. And she dances on the sand. They don't sing like that anyway. Let's talk about Diana's early life. Let's get yeah. Let's get in. Let's get into it. Let's Let's talk about this this lady justice. Um. Oh my God! Where's the first page of my notes? I'm gonna kick off. Uh. Oh, sorry. Okay. You got him. I got him. Um. So. Just to say, uh, the crown covers Diana and Charles's relationship. So I'm going to talk about Diana up until she left Charles. Yeah. Or they divorced, but the which is what the crown has covered a lot of. But I do think it's important to say that the crown is uh, like massively fictionalized for a lot of it. So it's important to remember that you can't take that. Yeah, I don't know by who though, like because it does not make the the royals look good and it does not make Diana look good. So, um, yeah. no one comes across well in the crown. Um. So that's just important to remember, like, if you are a fan of The Crown, don't take it as gospel because it's not exactly what happened. Um, so Diana Frances Spencer was born on the 1st of July, 1961 in Norfolk. She was the youngest daughter of then John Spencer, the Viscount Althorpe, and his first wife, Frances. He later became Earl Spencer. 
um, and had two elder sisters, Jane and Sarah, and a younger brother called Charles. Um, which brings me back to, would you date someone that has the same name as your brother? Would I date someone that has the same name? You kind of do. <laughs> yeah. Like. Or your dad. Like an extra letter, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Really. Would you? No, but my brother's names are kind of weird. So it's not like they're not as common as like Keen and Ian. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like it wouldn't really matter. I just feel like it would cause confusion. Like I don't come into contact with enough Kenneths and Michals. So that when yeah. I do, it's like. It's just weird. Anyway. Go on and now. You've manifested that. I don't know. Yeah. Let's not speak too soon. I'll take what I can get. Um, so Diana and her siblings enjoyed a privileged childhood. Her father had a close connection to the royal, the British royal family um, as he worked as an, S, an equerry for King George VI and young Queen Elizabeth II and the Queen herself had been guest of honour at John and Francis's wedding, Diana's parents, um, at Westminster in 1954. Um, so the families had been friends the whole way up, which is not like, I don't know why when I hear the people's princess, I always thought Diana was just like kind of a Kate Middleton. Not even Kate Middleton's not like common, but you know, like kind of plucked out of obscurity to marry yeah. a royal. She wasn't yeah. really like, um, sorry, I keep clicking up and tabs. Yeah, I, I think people it. like to, she was, was this fairly well to do. Because she was so with the people and down to earth. But I mean, like at the same time, she, as you exactly pointed out, she it wasn't like she came from nothing. It wasn't. Yeah. Like she was a pauper or something. She was. Yeah. From an extremely wealthy family. Um, yeah. Prince Andrew and Prince Edward were frequent visitors to their home, often coming over to swim in their pool. Um, sadly, when Diana was just six years old, her parents divorced and a bitter dispute ensued when her dad ultimately won custody of the four children. Um, so when Diana was 14, her dad became the eighth Earl Spencer and the Spencers moved to the family seat, Althorpe. This is a lot of like English language that I don't understand. Um, the following year, he remarried this blah, blah, blah. So her parents divorced. They both remarried. Um, Diana was homeschooled until she was nine years old and then was sent to boarding school until she was 12 and then public school until she was 16. So maybe that's why she's a bit like down to her because she did go to public school in her formative years. Yeah. Um, but she did not excel academically. She failed her O-levels uh, twice, I think. And, and she was more into sports. She was really good at swimming, diving, hockey and had a passion for ballet. But at a height of 5'10", she was too tall to become a professional ballerina. She's quite tall. Like I'm five. Right. Um, when you're looking like that about Diana. What? Five ten, cartoon, bambi eyes. Yeah, oh, maybe. No, sure. That that came out. Yeah, no. I mean, inspired <laughs> by you know. Yeah. Didn't have to be directly about her, but like. She's the same height as me. That's quite tall. Like I. Yeah. Famous people are usually short, but here, here we go. Um. So Diana's close proximity to the royal family meant that she had known Prince Charles for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had initially dated her sister, Sarah, but um, they didn't really, they weren't really compatible. And Sarah had like come out publicly and was like, I'm not in love with Prince Charles. And he was like, right, this is over. Um, <laughs> which is a horrible way to end things. So Diana was more empathetic in her affections for the royal. And it is said that she had a picture of him above her bed at boarding school. And she told, once told a classmate, I would love to be a dancer or princess of Wales. 
Um, I remember I read another quote from her as well and it was like, um, I'd love to marry Charles because he's literally the only man in the world that couldn't divorce me. But I don't know how true that is either. So much um, foreshadowing there. Yeah. He, that is, he is not a handsome man. Like, never was. The in actor that plays him is, is makes him, makes him kind of handsome. He was not bad in his younger years. No, I don't. I don't, I don't know. I'm going to politely disagree. Okay. Um, so when they met, Charles and Diana met at 16, or when they met, she was 16 and Charles is quoted saying, I remember thinking what a very jolly and amusing and attractive 16 year old she was. I mean, great fun and bouncy and full of life and everything. Nance, 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 nance. Yeah, it's problematic. But they didn't get together at that age. Um, thank God. Um, now this is where my things get messed up. Oh yeah, so Lady Diana first met Charles, Prince of Wales, the Queen's eldest son and heir apparent when she was 16 in November 1977. He was then dating her older sister, Lady Sarah. They were guests at a country weekend during the summer of 1980 when she watched him play polo and took a, and he took a serious interest in Diana as a potential bride. The relationship progressed when he invited her aboard the Royal Yacht Britannia for a sailing weekend to Cows. Cows? I don't oh, know. Here we go. Um, this was followed by an invitation to Balmoral to meet his family one weekend in November 1980. Lady Diana was well received at the time by the Queen and uh, the Queen Mother and the Duke of Edinburgh. Prince Charles went on to court her in London and then proposed on the 6th of February in 1981. But they kept their engagement a secret for two and a half weeks. They'd only met, I have this somewhere. Sorry, Duke of Edinburgh is Philip, yeah? Yeah. Um, that man is sorry yeah so they he took an interest in her when she was 19 and he was 31 and they spent time together on that country weekend and they she watched him play polo and then they went sailing and then they went to Balmoral so they'd only kind of met up they went on a couple more dates in London um, but just six months later he proposed so they'd only met like 13 times in total before they announced their engagement so the majority of like their courting happened over the phone which I don't, I don't like. Um, so they were just blue messaging each other on Snapchat, like. Yeah. So like, literally, they got engaged after six months, and then a five months later, they got married. So they like hadn't even known each other, or hadn't even been like seeing each other a year when they were married on July 29th, nineteen eighty one, at St Paul's Cathedral in London. Um, and on announcing her engagement to the press, Diana showcased her unusual engagement ring, and it was custom made. Um, it was like an 18 carat sapphire ring from a catalogue. No, it wasn't. It was custom made, but anyone could buy it. It wasn't like a one-off. So I think the, the ring sold out at the time because everyone wanted to have it because Diana had it. And it's the same ring that Prince William gave to Kate Middleton yeah. on their engagement, which I actually didn't realise until today. I remember um, that. I remember being such... I remember their engagement being like such a thing because again, the guy tried to not... It's hard not to kind of get swept up in it and be like, oh yeah, that's nice. And consider them as like just celebrities when the, the why they're famous is like so inherently yeah. not great. But I do remember them at the time and even like Kate's dress and kind of that same obsession and that, yeah, that media obsession with making her like Diana Light or something kind of like the way they spoke about her fashion and the significance of the ring and everything and like obviously like a really nice gesture but it's just 
like her Diana's impact like I just feel like she's she's going to be talked about for the rest of our days like yeah. no matter what like even with Will and what's the other one called again Harry Harry like their kids it's just going to be constant yeah I do think they've done a good job at making Kate that kind of same figure like viewed the same way and obviously Megan wasn't given the same kind of treatment but it's just like maybe I definitely took more interest in Will and Kate's wedding compared to Harry and Meghan's but I think it was because um, it's like the first royal wedding that of like my not one of my life obviously because I was alive no I wasn't alive yeah it's the first royal wedding of my like that I've been alive for oh you were very much alive my maths is all over the place um, no I wasn't alive for like Diana's though do you know what I mean yeah 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 yeah. no I get you I get you so like she's the Diana of our time yeah so that's why I think I took more of an interest in that than I did with Harry and Meghan because like it wasn't that long after um anyway so as prince she became princess of Wales then um and as that she undertook royal duties on behalf of the queen and represented her at functions across the commonwealth realms she was celebrated in the media for her unconventional approach to charity work and her patronages. Patronages? Yeah. Patronages, yeah. Initially centered on children and youth, but she later became known for her involvement with AIDS patients and campaigned for the removal of landmines. Um, she also raised awareness and advocated ways to help people affected with cancer and mental illness. As Princess Diana was initially noted for her shyness, but her charisma and friendliness endeared her to the public and helped her reputation survive the acrimonious collapse of her marriage. Um, and then just as considered to be very photogenic, she was a leader of fashion in the 1980s and 1990s. Correct. Which is also true. True. We would so, not have bike shorts if it wasn't for Diana. So the next time... Do you think? I was thinking that like her whole, her whole vibe is totally in right now. Like the next time you wear a pair of bike shorts, just remember you would be... Really, for Diana. Like you need to say a quick prayer to Lady Di because it wouldn't happen otherwise without her. Yeah. Like Hayley Baldwin, her style is Hayley Bieber, whatever, who cares? Hayley <sighs> me Bieber, me Baldwin. She like is very all about that kind of style with like the sweaters and the trenches and the shorts. Like it's still her style very much endures. We yeah. get to that, but like totally. We owe her um, that. We do. When do you think her haircut will come back? Do you know the way fashion is cyclical? Do you think no. haircuts are cyclical? Because like the whole I like... not. I mean this in the nicest way possible because like it perfectly suited her. But my God, no, like... Yeah. But you know the way how like the... the like that 70s show kind of flicked hair is all in right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I give, give it 10 more years. Like, give it 10 more years though. Give it 10 more years. I think that like everything maybe, is cyclical. Listen. I won't I won't be let's not rule it out I had a dream last night that I gave myself an undercut <laughs> and I hated it that's very strange I've been having the weirdest dreams um so yeah as we know the Charles and Diana went on to have two children Prince William and Prince Harry um but it slowly became obvious that they weren't a good match Charles began an affair with Camilla in the 1980s which would ultimately create a massive worldwide scandal in the news when it went public in the early 90s by 1992, Charles and Diana had separated and they officially divorced in 1996, just a year before her tragic death. Um, eventually, Charles and Camilla began openly seeing each other. And after a change to the Church of England's rule of remarriage, after divorce took effect in 2002, they finally married in a civil ceremony in 2005. I remember that. 
Do you? Gently. Sorry, did I say how many people watched like... their Charles and Diana's wedding? Say that again. Did I tell you how many people watched Charles and Diana's wedding? No. 750 million people. Christ, alive. Around the world, which is insane. But do you remember Charles oh, and Camilla? <laughs> I do, like Did you watch Charles and Camilla's? Was it televised? Well, but I, I do. I just remember the news coverage about it. I remember being like, I remember them talking about it being like a royal wedding. I'm not like again. I was a, a misogynistic child. I remember looking at Camilla and being like, oh, state of that. Like, do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I just feel like they were the British media were really trying to make it a thing. And again, obviously we're in Ireland, so it's completely different. And like there are like some there are Brits who are obsessed, and there are also Brits who totally reject the monarchy. But I just remember looking at him and being like, I could not care less. But again, I was still very young. I was like 10. I wanted like, she wore like that cream dress or whatever. And they weren't an age group that I would be interested in. But I, and I remember being like, I didn't get why it wasn't a bigger deal. And then I, like, obviously I learned, like, still a bit unfamiliar with all the shit with Diana and all the goings on prior. Yeah. But then learning about that, I was like, okay, this makes sense as to why people are kind of salty. Uh, indifferent to it I suppose is the word I had in my mind yeah I had no idea like the whole background with Charles and Camilla until I watched The Crown which is probably like I genuinely had no I didn't don't really follow the royals my family wouldn't be mad into the royals which is why I kind of learned most things from The Crown um but basically like they had dated in the 70s and he had like wanted to propose to her like he was very much in love with her and then she was kind of on again, off again with his sister's ex-boyfriend, Andrew Parker Bowles. Yeah. Um, and then... Family of inbreeding lizards. Like. Literally, yeah. Um, so then they were like, the whole family kind of agreed that she wasn't like a suitable match and said that he couldn't kind of marry her, which is like, it just, I just don't think he ever got over it and he ever like fully like stopped loving her. But you know what then, if you're not over someone... Like, I know a popular phrase is um, you, you get over someone by getting under someone. Not the case if you're a fucking prince and you're massively in the public eye. Yeah, and you're gonna you're probably going to be king, like. Like, I, how long? I just, I do wonder if he ever did love her or was it a case of like... He definitely was- loved Diana. He did love Diana. He I did. Say that. What basis do I, you have to say that? I do think just the way he treated her after she died the way he like kind of broke protocol to like look after her and make sure that like she was put to rest a certain way kind of shows that he did it was like he did love her at one point um but like I do think he did love Camilla as well but I do think in the like when they first got married obviously they were mad about each other and they couldn't keep their hands off each other like they didn't they weren't like incompatible from the start I think there was a lot of like there was a lot of lust there at the start and I think there was like definitely a strong friendship there for a while before like it all went bad. Mm. And he's the, she's the, was the mother of his kids. Like you definitely have a love for someone like that. Yeah. Maybe. Even if you don't like them, you do love them. Did you see him and Camilla have had to turn off replies on what, whatever it is, their Instagram or their Twitter because, you know, they all have like kind of individual social accounts now. The, yeah. the royal families. Seem accessible. After people watch the ground, like... <sighs> It's yeah, they from down the road tweeting, being like, "You're a dickhead, lol." <laughs> Loved what you are, like, like people are. genuinely take the crown for gospel, though, and you can't be, you can't be at that. Um, yeah, actually, I will interject here and say that if you are looking for another kind of more well-rounded 
a point of I shouldn't be recommending other podcasts in the middle of our podcast but if no. you're looking for additional resources you're wrong about did a big series on Diana Prince Charles which is probably better if you're looking at this being like if you're watching the crime, you're here for the laughs though let's be real and you want more context yeah you won't laugh as much as you will listening to this podcast but you'd probably get more info there but anyway um so that was up until and then they split up they divorced yeah in 96 so take it away just a year before she died which is actually so sad yeah it was all like she was so young when she died which is another she was 36 was she like what what a crime like was she 36 yeah 36 jesus a tragedy like yeah um so as you'd said she left the royal family herself because they separated in 92 their divorce was finalized in 96 and she said uh and in nineteen ninety three at a benefit lunch for the Headway and National Injuries Association. Over the next few months we'll be seeking a more suitable way of combining a meaningful public role with hopefully a more private life. So in leaving the royal family, she lost her like HRH title. Yeah. Um, and apparently the Queen wanted to let Diana to keep using the Royal Highness title after the divorce. But Charles apparently insisted on removing it. Yeah, I saw something as well that said, maybe you have this, that William was like, don't worry, ma'am, I'll give it back to you when yeah. I'm king. So cute. Prince William was reported to have reassured his mother, don't worry, mummy, I'll give it back to you one day when I am king. So cute. They were the, they were very cute little kids. Yeah, I'm very nice. Um, All of Diana's bills were paid by the office of the Prince of Wales following the separation. And when it was finalised, her legal team ensured she received £17 million pounds um, I think in today's money it will, be, will work out like £21 million in the divorce settlement as well as her right to reside at Kensington Palace which remained her home until her death in August 1997. The staff at High Grove where Diana had previously lived were divided between Charles and Diana and in some cases like Diana's housekeeper Wendy Berry she was let go and then when their divorce was finalised Diana's team consisted of a cleaner, cook, dresser and her butler Paul Burrell. She let go of her royal security she used police protection only when attending public events. Uh, post-separation, the people that kind of visit her most often were Sir Elton John, because we probably would have known and guessed already. Yeah. Um, fashion designer Gianni Versace. Oh. Uh, chairman of the Washington Post, Catherine Graham, and uh, Hillary Clinton. Oh. What an eclectic group of people to have at a dinner party. Yeah. During her separation, Diana continued her public role with the royal family, attending official events and travelling for visits largely on her own, with the occasional appearance alongside Charles for family occasion and national events. Um, she was permitted to keep all of the jewellery she amassed during the marriage, with the exception of the Cambridge lover's knot tiara, which Elizabeth gave to her as a wedding present after only wearing it once. It's now in the Queen's possession and was lent to the Duchess of Cambridge in both 2015 and 2016. Duchess of Cambridge is Kate, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think so. Um, Where would you want to be the Duchess of? Huh? Where would you want to be the Duchess of if you could pick oh, your title? Cuskinny. Duchess of Cuskinny. <laughs> Where, where's Cuskinny? It's like the beach and Cove. It's like a, nice. a beach area. You could have picked somewhere bigger. Like you could have been the Duchess of Cork, but you went really specific on that one. <laughs> but that's because like they, they all go specific. You know what I mean? They're all Princess like, of Wales. Boroughs. Well, so, yeah. Duke yeah, of York. Yeah. yeah okay. Um. Where would you be? I don't know. Maybe 
Tenerife. I don't know. <laughs> Duchess of Ibiza. Duchess of Ibiza. Yeah, girl. <laughs> um, I wish. Oh, God. To be there now. Um, we mentioned her charity work. So before the divorce was finalised in 96, Diana resigned as patron of nearly 100 charities during the proceedings. Among the charities she relinquished were British Red Cross and Relate, which is a marriage counselling organisation. She stayed on with six charities, which were the English National Ballet. My addiction has gone so bad. The Leprosy Mission, uh, the National AIDS Trust, which I'll get to later on, Centrepoint Homeless Charity, the Royal Marsden Hospital and the Great Ormond Street Hospital for Children. She went, she'd go back to the Red Cross again for their anti-landmine campaign, famously walking through an active minefield in the South African country of Angola in 1997. Like, the gal was... All over the gaff. ...flat out with the charity work. And, like, she, she was kind of quoted as saying that she didn't want to just put her name something. She always kind of wanted to learn what the issue was about, that she would be supporting and whatever. yeah. Which I'd have to admire. Now I know I need to go back and find this quote, but I know some people had said that, like, in terms of like her legacy, obviously we know her as being this like really great person and whatever. But like, I mean, she had her critics as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, she was. She was a flawed human as well. Like, yeah, which is also I think why people loved her. Kind of, uh, loved her as well, but. Uh, there was someone here, Sally Bedell Smith, characterized Diana as unpredictable, egocentric and possessive. Smith argued that in her desire to do charity work, she was motivated by personal considerations rather than by an ambitious urge to take on a societal problem. And I know some people kind of said it about the fact that like she took on so much that it was kind of a... I know some people said, this guy Peter Conrad, he wrote for The Guardian. He suggested we'll talk about her relationship with journalists and paparazzi, but this kind of ties into her public life and whatever. Um, he said that it was Diana who let the journalists and paparazzi into her life as she knew they were the source for power, though she overburdened herself with public duties and destroyed the border between private and public life. Now, I mean, like we've talked about this before to a lesser, to a much, much, like in a very different way about Ellen Generous and the fact that she has contributed massively to amazing causes and raised a lot of money and done, ama- done amazing things. Does that yeah. mean she's been perfect in every aspect of her life? No. Was Diana's decisions to do this, like, tactical? Yes and no, because, I mean, at the same time, she definitely knew by signing up to these things how she'd look. As anyone uh, yeah. would. You, I, you see someone associated with the charity or charity work, you're going to be like, oh, like, that's good. As well as someone who you don't know what they're publicly doing you're going to be like, well, when are you going to reach into your pocket? Or when are you going to do something with your status? You know what I mean? I do think she loved the camera and the media and the pub- being in the public eye. But I also do think that she did want to make a difference. And even if it me- meant like putting her name to a charity, like that probably helped them, just that alone. Yeah. Helped them so much that of course she said yes to everything. If it meant like having her name on it would like boost them a bit, you know? Yeah. But I do think she did absolutely just love yeah. kind of attention as well. But who doesn't will, like? I'll get to that with the famous handshake. But yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, she and Charles managed to co-parent uh, William. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And Harry, despite lingering drama, they were granted equal access to the guys who were 14 and 11 at the time, respectively. Um, the boys alternated holidays with each of their parents when they weren't attending boarding school. Uh, things to be, things seem to be civil between Charles and Diana as they worked together to co-parent the boys after the divorce and up until Diana's death in 97. Uh, she dated around after the split. She was linked with uh, Hasna Khan. He was a surgeon. Uh, while she was separated from Charles in 95, she even met his parents and introduced him to William and Harry. Uh, they split up. There's kind of some quotes connected to her describing him as the love of her life and there's been again some reports that her family didn't approve of him because he was Muslim and there was kind of issues on that side uh, following that she began dating Egyptian heir and film producer Dodi Fayad in 97 they were only dating a couple of months and they were holidaying in the French Riviera, French Riviera um, and he was obviously also involved in the crash that uh, took her life unfortunately um, which brings us to the crash uh, Diane was killed in a car accident in Paris, France, along with her partner, Jodie Fayad, their driver, uh, Henri Paul, Henry Paul, uh, on August 31st, 1997. It's my brother's birthday, I forgot that. Um, as we mentioned, she was 36 when she passed away. Um, she died on the day your brother was born. Oh, no, sorry, not on the day my brother was born, but like the. No, sure, he would be younger than been seven. Okay. He might remember, I should have asked him. I asked my mom, did she remember where she was? And she was like, yeah, it was a Sunday morning and I was lying in bed and I had a baby. She was like, it was Michal, obviously, because Michal was only born or he was only one. And she was just like, yeah, it was very sad. Um, so the the train of events was they arrived in Paris on the Saturday. Um, well, they'd done like 10 days in the French Riviera, arrived to Paris the Saturday, August 30th. They dined at a private salon at the Ritz Hotel in Paris. Uh, Dodi's father, Mohammed Al-Fayed, owned the hotel at the time. Uh, he also owns a uh, Harrods Department Store, just fun trivia there for you. Oh. Um, a few minutes past midnight on Sunday, Diana and uh, Dodi left the hotel and got into the Mercedes-Benz that was waiting for them, likely to travel to Fayed's private Parisian estate. Oh, the speed limit was 30. The driver, who we mentioned, Henry Paul, reportedly approached the entrance of a road tunnel at Paris's Pont de Lama, driving at approximately 70 miles per hour. reports, Paul lost control of the car and collided into a pillar in the middle of the highway. Paul and Fayad were pronounced dead at the scene. Diana was still alive. She was rushed to hospital. Early reports that Diana was suffering from. This is what got me, because the, I didn't realise this either. So the early reports were that she was a concussion, broken arm, and a cut thigh. She did. Yeah, this is where the conspiracy comes. 
yeah she also had massive chest injuries so they had to operate on her when she got to the hospital um apparently that didn't work well not, not apparently she did die didn't work um she never regained consciousness so she passed away on the morning of august 31st um and in the book the diana chronicles author tina brown describes the scene of the crash according to dr frederick malay an met an emt who happened to be driving through the tunnel at the same time of the collision diana woke up in pain from the internal injuries she kept saying how much she hurt and apparently her last words were my god what's happened because i think she kind of came through and looked around and saw obviously that dolly was dead and the driver was dead um and i think then she lost consciousness oh my god um her cause of death is apparently seemingly unbelievably rare so in 2019 dr richard shepherd he's britain's top forensic pathologist concluded that diana died of a tiny badly placed tear in the vein of her lung he said her specific injury is so rare that in my entire career i don't believe i've seen another um he wrote this in his book unnatural causes uh shepherd believes diana's death could have been prevented by one small change a seatbelt because that was the thing um, she wasn't wearing a seatbelt um but as you mentioned there there are loads of conspiracies around her death like loads. yeah if you like there's uh, there are like podcasts that are hours long that go into yeah. every little detail if you want to go into that i don't think i'm qualified to go no, into it I, like i'll give you a surface level again as Bree said there are way more in-depth resources out there but a lot of the questions that came up were why was someone like henry paul um a, a licensed driver how would he have lost control of the car so drastically um I think when the Queen, when they told the Queen, this is what, like, and I watched the Seven Days That Shook the World on Netflix and it's all about the, like, from her death up to her funeral and, like, how it impacted um, England and Great Britain. But, like, apparently when they went in and woke the Queen and told her what had happened, she immediately said, someone's greased the brakes. But again, I don't know how accurate that is. I don't know. But this is the thing. So, like, before I get to that, there was a whole thing of the driver's blood uh, exceeding the legal blood alcohol limit. Um, and according to eyewitnesses, there was another element to the crash and something that comes up again. I previously mentioned this. Diana was hounded everywhere by paparazzi. Yeah. Um, and obviously they were, this time is no exception. Like people are trying to get photos of her and Dodie. Um, so there was paparazzi in cars and on motorcycles following them, probably at speed. Um Mohammed Al-Fayyad believed that Diana was pregnant with Dodie's child. This was later disproven by forensics. Um, another theory posits that Diana feared such an attack. Uh, like she'd written this note um, after the divorce in 96 because she was very low and very paranoid following the divorce and whatever. And she said, I'm sitting here at my desk today in October longing for someone to hug me and encourage me to keep strong and hold my head high. This particular phase of my life is the most dangerous. X is planning an accident in my car, brake failure and serious head injury in order to make the path clear for Charles to marry. Like, I don't know. That's, yeah, mm, I, uh, I don't like that. In 2004, the Met Police launched an investigation into the rumours that proliferated around the accident. The findings of Operation Paget, as the investigations were called, were released in 2006. In short, the police found nothing to substantiate Mohammed Al-Fayed's claims of conspiracy and neither did anyone else. Um... But I mean, to this day, it's still like, it's kind of again, and I use the word meme very loosely, but this whole thing of like, the queen did it. The queen yeah. did it. The queen did it. Um, and you mentioned there about like what she said uh, when she woke up. Um, she obviously came under close scrutiny after her death. 
Um, and it, this was kind of looked at if you watched uh, The Queen, which is from the creator of The Crown, Peter Morgan. It's about yeah. five days between Diana's death and the Queen's public speech. Uh, after the accident, Queen Elizabeth chose to stay with Harry and William in Bal- Balmoral because that's where they were at the time. Uh, yeah, none of them were in the palace when it happened. Yeah. She was planning to return just before the funeral, but by not immediately addressing the nation that was immediately in mourning, pretty much. They were criticised for kind of being aloof. Yeah. Mary Frances was an age to the Queen at the time. She was struck firsthand at the contrast between the world's very vocal reaction to Diana's death and the royal family's silence. She said this primary primarily a family that had been struck by personal tragedy, especially for the grandchildren. And so that was the first reaction. But I think that the family were somewhat slow, perhaps to recognise the need to step forward in their public role of showing leadership for the country in its grief about the death of the princess. So she addressed the public on September 9th, 1997. It was her first live broadcast since the Gulf War. And she said, we've all felt those emotions in these last few days. So what I say to you now as your queen and as a grandmother, I say from the heart. First, I want to pray tribute to Diana myself. She was an exceptional and gifted human being. In good times and bad, she never lost her capacity to smile and laugh to inspire others with her warmth and kindness. I admired and respected her for her energy and commitment to others, especially for her devotion to her two boys. So... There was another thing as well because she they because they were at Balmoral or they were they weren't in um, Buckingham at the time that no one could ra- like there there was no f- like flag raised at half mast it was the only building that did that like of the all the government buildings that didn't have a flag raised for Diana and yeah. they came under criticism for that as well so now like every time ever since every time they leave the the palace they raise a flag so that people know they're not in. There you go. Isn't that just inviting burglars? Oh, that happens as well. Did you? That's an episode in The Crown. Do you remember your man that broke in and sat in her bed for 10 minutes? They need aircon phone watch. Did you have your, do you remember that? Well, no, you wouldn't remember that, but have you heard of that? This guy like literally broke into the palace and got it, went into the queen's bedroom and sat with her and chatted with her for 10 or 15 minutes before anyone, before she could catch anyone's attention to come and help her. Crazy. Very scary. It's crazy. He was just a normal lad. Just hopped the wall. I'd like, just got like really lucky with the timing and like changing of the guards or something. I don't know. Not a hope. Um, so then again, the subject of the paparazzi. Um, apparently, a couple of people have said that the paparazzi present at the scene when the car crashed, like didn't help. They just stayed and took photos. Uh, Stefan Darman, he was a motorcycle rider for one of the paparazzi who chased the Mercedes that night, said, uh, told the Guardian in 2008, I did not see the car anymore because the light of the flashes was so bright. It was continuous. Because there are so many photos of the crash. Like, it's obscene. Um, yeah. In the immediate aftermath of the accident, seven French photographers were arrested and questioned by the police. According to the New York Times, charges of manslaughter were brought against nine photographers who followed the Mercedes and took photos after the crash. But they were not found guilty. But three of the photographers, photographers were found guilty of invasion of privacy and were fined a symbolic one euro. Um, one euro yeah that's I think it was just to prove a point to be like the stadium is like do you know I don't like that I don't uh, like that we mentioned about Harry and William being in Barmoral they spoke about it since and about finding out yeah they didn't uh, wake them yeah in a 2017 BBC documentary William said back then obviously there were no smartphones or anything like that so you couldn't get your news and thankfully at the time to be honest we had the privacy to mourn and collect our thoughts and to have that space away from everybody we had no idea the reaction to our death would be quite so huge Um, and then there's obviously the funeral 
um, held on September 6th, 1997. So that means the Queen's statement came after the funeral. Oh, I thought it came the morning of. Hang on, let me check my dates here. Or the night before. No, I'm nearly sure it came the night before. Queen's. Based on what I watched today. That would make more sense. And then pe- people watched her speech and then they camped out for the funeral or else. Eventually it... on September 9th. See, this says September 9th. Maybe that's wrong. Will you check that there? Will I carry and on? what date was the funeral? funeral the same the funeral is September 6th. So maybe it was. Maybe they got their digits wrong and they just needed to turn them the other way. Anyway, like her funeral, Diana's, like her wedding, I should say, the funeral was a spectacle. 750 million people watched. 2.1 billion. Yeah, no, 750 million people watched the wedding. Yeah. 2.5 billion watched yeah. the funeral. Half the population of the world at the time. One of the most striking and controversial images from the day was, of course, Harry and William, who are children, like very young kids, walking beside their mother's coffin as a travel from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Castle. And Harry's spoken about that since. He said it to Newsweek. My mother had just died and I had to walk a long way behind her coffin, surrounded by thousands of people watching me while millions more did on television. I don't think any child should be asked to do that under any circumstances. I don't think it would happen today. And Prince William said something similar in the... In Diana Seven Days, he said it was one of the hardest things I've ever done that walk. It felt like she was walking alongside us to get us through it. Yeah. Uh, the Queen broke royal protocol. So sorry, she was at the funeral because it says here the dates are clearly just wrong. And what yeah, I no, I have the date here. It's the uh, 6 p.m. on September 5th. The Queen spoke live to the nation to pay tribute to Diana. So that was the evening before. And then everyone that was waiting for the funeral was like literally camped outside. Yeah, that would make sense. Um... Uh, yeah, so she broke royal pro- protocol and bowed her head as Diana's coffin went past. You mentioned Candle in the Wind earlier. Uh, Elton John performed a rendition of his famous 1973 song Candle in the Wind with the lyrics we were reworked to be about Diana instead of Marilyn Monroe. The 1997 version of Candle in the Wind remains the best-selling chart single of all time. Oh my God. I wonder if that changed since. Will you actually check that as well so that I'm not flat out saying shit? Best-selling. What? Best-selling chart single of all time. Yeah. There's a new investigation that's been launched into, you mentioned... Oh, it's White Christmas by Bing Crosby. What? (laughs) It says here White Christmas by Bing Crosby. No, I don't think so. Sorry, Bing. Yeah, the song, sorry. It is true. The song Candle in the Wind is the biggest selling single since UK and US singles charts began in the 1950s. Sold 33 million copies, making it the third best selling single of all time. That's a big contradiction. Anyway, it sold a lot of copies. Yeah, it was really big. Um, You mentioned Martin Bashir earlier. So he conducted the 1995 interview with Princess Diana for the BBC for Panorama. And it was the one where she basically was like, there was three of us in the marriage. Like, iconic one. Um, And the one that people remember. But there's a new investigation being held into the interview over, like, practices that Martin took part in to get her to do the interview. Um, so basically, let me try and find where this is. Um, Bashir and the BBC have been accused of deceit ahead of the 1995 Panorama interview. Prince William welcomed an announcement that there would be a probe into how Bashir landed the interview uh, as a step in the right direction. And then one of uh, her brother's ex-bodyguards have said, like, they've said Martin Bashir is responsible for her death because she was so paranoid 
Alan Waller, he was the former head of security for Diana's brother, Earl Spencer. Uh, he has broken his silence. Her brother was called Charles. Who's he, Earl Spencer? He's a, He was an Earl and his surname was Spencer. Ah, okay. <laughs> lol. My name is... My name is... Well, Earl. My name is Earl. Great, no, unrelated. <laughs> anyway, Alan Waller, he was the former head of security for Diana's brother. Um, he's basically come out and said that he told the tele- Telegraph... Bashir's become a multimillionaire by using me. I am the fall guy. Bashir's effectively stolen my identity, stolen my banking information, and then used it to frame me as this fall guy. This is exactly, that is exactly what he has done. He has framed me thinking I would never find out. It has had a devastating effect on me. I cannot speak this episode. I'm really sorry. Um, basically what happened was Bashir asked a BBC graphic artist to mock up these fake bank statements that oh, yeah. wanted to show two payments to Mr. Waller from a newspaper and an offshore company that looked like a front for MI5 to basically trick Diane into thinking that like people in her party were leaking stuff and being paid off. Um, It's claimed he used the documents to persuade Earl Spencer and his staff were spying on Diana so he could ultimately gain access to his sister. Uh, Mr. Waller went so far as to be the BBC man for Diana's death in a Paris car crash in 1997 saying Bashir has planted the whole idea of paranoia in Diana's head um, BBC said at the time I think that Diana wrote a note saying that she did not see the false bank statements and that they played no part in her decision to give the interview but they've also said that they don't have a copy of that letter anymore um, it's a guy called Lord Dyson he'll be heading up the inquiry um, and it will consider if the steps taken by the, the BBC and Bashir were appropriate and to what extent they influenced Diana's decision to take part in the grilling um, one of her other friends came out as well, Rosa Moncton. Uh, she chose Diana as godmother for her daughter. She told the Daily Mail recently that she noticed a big change in Diana's behaviour after she began meeting with Bashir. She said yeah. Diana changed from being very concerned with day-to-day matters, just like any normal friend, to suddenly becoming obsessed with plots against her. Um, she said a paranoid Diana started to think that Prince Charles was having an affair with her son's nanny, Tiggy Leg Burke and changed her landline number at Kensington Palace. She believed Bashir's outrageous claims. One of his skills clearly was in exploiting her susceptibility to the idea that she was being spied on by enemies. He even commissioned forged documents to prove this. You have to remember that this was a woman who spent all her married life being chased by the paparazzi. Little wonder she was susceptible. So that's yeah going or will be happening. Um, which is mad. And again, it still goes to show that like there are all these theories since now her I've brother her brother was watching that interview i don't know about you you felt really uncomfortable I, i've never felt like comfortable she there's something about her that just seems and again you have to bear in mind everything else that happened it's not really surprising but she just seems so sad and so like looking over her shoulder about stuff yeah, and I do feel like she's trying to just get digs at Charles a lot for a lot of it as well. I will say though, her brother, her and her brother were fighting when she died, which makes sense. Like, which makes sense why is, as to why he's like so angry at Martin Bashir because he obviously blames him for coming between them. Um, if he was like trying to say that her brother was like leaking stuff about her, yeah. But then, isn't it? I like. I really. I'm uncomfortable about people like that. To have just continued to profit off like their relationship with Diana. Like Martin Bashir did X Factor last year. Did he? And his like what like his yeah, he did the celebrity X Factor and his he was a celebrity because of that interview with Diana. He's a freak. Which like just doesn't sit well with me. Also, like her butler. Oh, 
Paul Burrell has done like Celebrity Big Brother how many times? Like, um, Wayne Bridge, the ballet dancer that she danced with to Uptown Girl. If you've seen The Crown, you'll know the scene. But basically, like, she went to the ballet with Charles and she got up and pretended she was going to the bathroom. And then all of a sudden she came out and did a ballet routine with Wayne Bridge to Uptown Girl for Charles's birthday. Um, he has done Celebrity Big Brother. And it, like, they're all just like sold as former friend of Diana. Like, and they, I just, it doesn't sit well with me that people are like profiting off it when she's not around anymore to speak for herself. And they come out and they tell stories about their friendship with her and all. It's, it's weird. No, I agree. There is something. Like Paul Burrell, if he was really her friend, he wouldn't be on Big Brother telling stories about her. Paul Burrell, I think, is the worst of a lot of them. He's written books and stuff as well, hasn't he? Like, like just will not, like, has exhausted all memories and all everything that he had with her. Yeah. And, like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, was that intention all along? Would they still be friends if she was alive? Like, Probably. Like, like they did seem like good friends, but I just don't like how he turned how he turned it into like a money making thing afterwards so opportunistic yeah like I don't know if you saw well, you obviously did see when they asked Ruthie on I'm a celeb like do you, was Diana there and she was like yeah she was there but I don't I don't really remember anything like remarkable do you know like I don't remember like she didn't divulge anything about yeah. being around Diana which is like I just think it's the it's the right thing to do yeah we mentioned her charity work earlier uh and I think Diana's a special connection with the LGBTQ community. Yeah, definitely. And, like, the gays are obsessed with her. Not, like, the majority, like, there is a majority of, like... She's a gay icon. ...people who just think she is the be-all and end-all. But, and I think it's easy to pass that off as trivial or whatever, and you could put it down to, like, the way she was, and, like, oh, like, you know, the revenge dress and the fashion and whatever. But at the same time, her advocacy work was second to none in the area of, like, HIV and AIDS, and destroying that stigma. Yeah. Um, at a time when, like, people who have those conditions are still faced with that stigma now. But this was at a time when, as you, as you mentioned previously, like, that handshake that she did. Like, when if you were to be seen to be kind of physically touching someone who had HIV or AIDS, there were so many misconceptions that, like, you would get it then. Or that's how yeah. it passed on. So much ignorance. But um, she had a passion for that. Uh, she said HIV does not make people dangerous to know so you can shake their hands and give them a hug she famously said at the Children and AIDS conference in April 1991 heaven knows they need it she and Prince Harry has kind of carried on her work a lot he said in 2017 because he accepted an award on her behalf the Attitude Legacy Award said when that April she shook the hand of a 32 year old man with HIV in front of the cameras she knew exactly what she was doing she was using her position as Princess of Wales the most famous woman in the world to challenge everyone to educate themselves to find their compassion and to reach out to those who need help instead of pushing them away um, she opened Sorry, can I correct myself really quickly yeah I just realised I made a big mistake it was Wayne Sleep was the ballet dancer Wayne Bridge is very much the footballer that's married to Frankie Sanford yeah I was I wasn't sure <laughs> You should have said it, Fanula. There's not enough. I didn't know. I thought you could have been. I just thought they might have had the same name. No, it was Wayne Sleep. Someone's screaming, listening to this. But I know. I'm really sorry. I had to get that in before I. No, at least we correct ourselves along the way. Anyway, um, she opened Britain's first AIDS ward, as I was saying, in April 1987, at London Middlesex Hospital. Um, 
this was when she shook the hand of a patient without gloves and act even nurses at the time were afraid to do. Um, it really educated people, I think. She spent time visiting those living with AIDS. Uh, she always found time to pour her heart into important causes. Uh, aside from her, the, mo- the iconic handshake photo, Diana made many bedside visits to those living with the disease, including abandoned children in Rio de Janeiro and a hospice in Toronto. Uh, when she died, Gavin Hart of the National AIDS Trust said to the BBC, in our opinion, Diana was the foremost ambassador for AIDS awareness on the planet. No one could fill her shoes in terms of the work she did. And as we mentioned, Harry's been carrying on her legacy with that regard. In 2016, he traveled to Barbados so they could take public uh, HIV tests together, himself and Megan. The act which aimed to help reduce stigma and encourage people to seek help and educate themselves was to raise awareness on World AIDS Day. Um, the duo visit, visited the Terence Higgins Trust World AIDS Day charity fair in November 2017, days after announcing their engagement. Uh, Earlier that month, he visited the Trust again to help launch the It Starts With Me campaign where he demonstrated how to self-test for HIV, a medical advance that surely would have thrilled his late mother when she tragically, sorry, I didn't write these notes clearly. When she tragically passed away, there was little hope for the HIV and AIDS patients she cared so dearly about. He said she wanted to get to know those who were dying, not as statistics or patients, but as people. In the year before my mother's death, she truly, she first truly, the first truly effective antiretroviral treatments were developed for agent. For AIDS and HIV, she did not live to see this treatment become widely available and save countless lives in the UK and around the world. Like, and it's that kind of stuff that I'm like, imagine if she'd seen that. Like, yeah, that's something to be really proud of, you know? Yeah, but at least the the lads have gone on to like carry on her charity work much more than any of the rest of the royals do. They yeah, they really do make an effort to carry on like what she started. Um, as you mentioned, obviously Emma Corrin is currently playing her in The Crown. Uh, Chris, you mentioned that, but okay. <laughs> I mentioned it. That's um, sorry. Um, Kristen Stewart is going to play her in a cinema adaption. I hate that. I hate uh, that choice. Spencer. Due to start production next year. I can't remember when this was written. So that those dates might not be accurate. Oh, I don't like Kristen Stewart for that. I'm upset now. Netflix will stream a filmed version of Diana, a musical, which was due to premiere on Broadway just as the COVID-19 pandemic struck following the show's successful 2018 run at the La Jolla Playhouse. So that is also coming. Why don't you like the Kristen Stewart? Or do you just not think she should be I just, don't, I just don't like that casting for her. I like, I get the look. I, I get they could make her up to look like her, but I just don't think, I think Diana was much more feminine than Kristen Stewart is capable of being. That's an incredibly hateful statement. Do you not know what I, like, you know what I mean? Kristen Stewart is good at certain things, but I just don't think she can be like a ballet princess. Like, yeah. A ballerina princess. No. Yeah. There, I've said it now. Keep that in. There, she does. No, like I, like she does have the kind of look about her and I, I do agree with you, but at the same time, I mean, that's a failure on her part if she can't, you know what I mean? That's the whole point of being an actor. Maybe it's a thing that we have. Maybe she'll surprise me, but. A little bit, you know? Yeah, but like what I've seen so far, yeah. I don't, I, I just don't, I'm, I'd be very surprised if she can. Um, As we mentioned, she continues to influence fashion in 2017, Virgil Abloh. He's the men's artistic director for Louis Vuitton. He presented a Diana-inspired runway show for his own label, Off-White in Paris. Um, designer Tori Birch also took inspiration from Diana for her spring and summer 2020 collection show at New York Fashion Week. Uh, the September 2019 issue of Paris Vogue saw Hayley Baldwin, as we mentioned, donning a plethora of Diana's iconic off-duty looks. She kind of invented off-duty, you know what I mean? Like this whole thing of like airport fashion and being like kind of being 
this is what you wear when you're not working where it's like kind of jumpers and kind of casual but still smart yeah. clothes she really invented that I think yeah definitely um, she's always been a style inspiration to me because she sort of blurred the lines between men's clothing and women's clothing or she would mix high and low in the way she dressed rowing blazers founder Jack Carlson told the times she was very ahead of her time I would have to agree with uh, Jack to that. Um, and then obviously again the huge debate about who she was as a person and was she just obsessed with fame and did she continue to use that um, as her life carried on I don't know she was a very complicated person um, yeah there's a line in the crown where it's like the whole thing with her and Charles just kind of got a bit like toxic and they just like really just wanted to get one over on each other and the thing was that like she was so much younger than him and I think she was mature immature for her age at the time and he was so much older than her and so much older than even his years at the time that that made them really incompatible mm. yeah they were just too different that's why you shouldn't yeah, choose 16 year old so. child brides. Yeah, like just shouldn't happen from the. Shouldn't happen. You know? Yeah. It's very unfortunate. But yeah, that was she, Lady Di. Diana. An icon. An icon, yes. Oh, sorry. Can I finish on one thing? Yeah, Jack absolutely. Remington had a very. He tweeted basically asking what Princess Diana's Twitter bio would have been. And I thought this was very uh, accurate. So she would have had like her pronouns in the bio. So would have been she, her. Yeah, former, definitely. Former HRH, people's princess, three is a crowd, X. <laughs> Someone replied to the thread of that. And then Holly Shorthall had a tweet as well that said, just said, mom, wife, people's princess, and then the crown emoji. And then maybe something about, you know, the campaign that they have at the minute where it's like uh, undetectable equals untransmittable. Yeah. With regards to like HIV and age. So like U equals U. I was like 100%. And can I just throw this in myself? If she was still alive, she... Now, I don't know whether she would have done it, but she would fully would have been asked to be a judge on RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm going to say oh, that. She would have. No, she would have done it as well. I think she would have done it if she would have been she like... Would have been hosting, whatever, but... She would have been hosting like an after show for it. Um, oh, I feel like can... We'll have to do Harry and Meghan at some stage because there's so many similarities in between that situation now. Yeah, totally. We could get a whole episode of them. We could get a whole episode of Will and Kate as well. Yes. Um, yes, we could. Do mini you want mini band wagons? Absolutely. Oh, you still want those? Talk mini to me. <laughs> um, do, 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 do. I have some screenshots. I'm going to make back. Hasselback potatoes for my dinner. You can make what? I'm going to make Hasselback potatoes. What are they? Do you know they're like a... potatoes and they look like an accordion. Like you fold them out. No. You do. I'll send you a picture after. Accordion potatoes. They said Hasselback sounds like a type of rhinoceros. Maybe it is. Um. Okay. So this, I had this screenshot a while ago and I just genuinely just kept forgetting to read it out. We got an email from Searsha. It says, hi guys, my sisters and I, all of the pod. Not sure if you're still promoting Irish businesses, but we finally convinced our mom to start selling bits and bobs she's been making over lockdown as her necklaces are so popular with our friends. The Instagram is Deirdre's Crafts and Gifts, and we would love if she got a bit of a push start to keep her busy over the next few weeks. Thanks so much for keeping us all laughing. So it's Deirdre's Crafts and Gifts. Um, it's all handmade jewellery in West Kerry, and she also does custom designs. Um, and she has an Etsy, which is Deirdre's Crafts Shop.etsy.com. That'd be lovely. So Check that out. Give your money to Deirdre. Um, what was next? 
I had this one screenshot. Um, do you know how everyone's into like dry rubs these days? Mm-hmm. But they're like extortionate. Are they? Yeah, they're very expensive. They're pretty. Um, anyway, if you're not willing to spend all the money on a dry rub, there's an Irish equivalent called Quish Farga and they make um, like tiled robes, very similar, that, but they're Irish made and they're so much cheaper. Um, so it's Quish Farga tile robes. It's Quish underscore Farga underscore on Instagram. Um, so get that I'm going to check them out because I had actually asked Santa for a dry robe, but no, wouldn't mind you don't want to confuse Santa, Santa either. I have loads here. Um, this one, actually, I think my housemate Alice showed me because they do naked like lady candle molds oh and yeah see, they are all their age now at the minute. they're very beautiful um so it's cme candle dublin and they're handmade uh, in dublin eight they're sustainable ethical and vegan they're just really really cute candles um they're all like made to order so they're um doing it right ethically sourced sustainable materials small business Irish 5% of all sales are donated to Massey which is the movement of asylum seekers in Ireland and the candles are actually just very gorgeous look at them oh it's not gonna uh, oh they are yeah. nice I can see them now yeah yeah they're they nice. gorge yeah. um, so give them a look I can't buy any more candles because I have too many but when I can I'll buy some and I'm asking other people to buy them so I can live vicariously through you yeah do it um, this one's from Alice uh, hi gals first of all I, uh, can I thank you both? I only discovered the pod over the last few months and honestly, it's been one of my top laugh and smile sources throughout the pandemic. So big thanks. That is so nice. Um, also, I might be a bit slower late here, but if you're still on the small business, shout outs, buzz. Me and my sister started up a little food business in August called uh, Shilta Kitchen. Shulta? Shilta? Shulta Kitchen. We make halva, a Middle Eastern fudge-like sweet made from tahini. You would love that. Mm, I'm all over this already. Uh, made from tahini and sunflower butter like a nut butter but made from sunflower seeds so it's all handmade vegan no nuts or gluten and a portion of the profits go to the Lebanese Red Cross in the wake of the Beirut explosion in August they have their Christmas orders open now and lots of different gift options and so head over and give Alice and Emily your money Sholta Kitchen S-I-O-L-T-A Kitchen on Instagram Divine Guys, make tracks if you haven't started your Christmas shopping because not to be that person, but it's creeping up like... Oh, yeah. Easy totally. Sleeping, you know? What was the other thing we had to say? Um, Tullamore Jew are doing a really nice gift idea if you want something special to do it, like you maybe your family or your housemates or your friends over Christmas. We did it back in first lockdown, which is yeah. like the virtual snug... What are they called? Virtual snug sessions, Christmas edition, um, where it's basically like a cocktail class over Zoom and you have like nice music um with dan elliott kev is the ambassador that chose you to make the cocktails he's very gas um and it's really nice you'll you'll have so much fun again if you're kind of because i know this is so tough for people and not being together or maybe you just really don't want to risk it or whatever this is such a nice alternative and i really like i cannot stress enough the crack we had when we did yeah and like we've been flat out making the cocktail since and we'll continue to so so you get a cocktail making kit to deliver to your door, which has all the ingredient, ingredients and equipment that you need to make your drinks. Um, and then you get all your friends or whatever around, or you all, you can dial all, uh, like if it's about your workmates, you can all dial into the same Zoom. And Kevin shows you how to make the drinks. He does like spoken word. And then they do like a big, like sing along songs and you drink lovely cocktails. It's really, really good. Where can people check that out? 
Um, that's Tullamore Dew. Great. That's all I have. Did you want to shout anyone out? No, but I was going to say, Breach, do you like Mean Girls? I love Mean Girls. It's so fetch. Um, we reviewed Mean Girls as chosen by you on the Patreon this week as part of our movie club series where we watch movies and we talk about them. Um, so if you feel like listening to that while also supporting us and making us smile because that does make us incredibly happy, you can subscribe to our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash bandwagons. You get loads of other benefits as yeah. well. I'm not going to tell you anymore. You need to go check it out for yourself. It's There's never been a better time to sign up because you're going to get early access to those tickets, the whole backlog of every episode, every bonus episode we've ever done, every other bonus thing we've ever mentioned. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's a really nice Christmas present to us. So thank you very much. How many, how many, but we must count the bonus episodes because we have a good few now at this point. Yeah, we're doing them. We're doing them. Like the Patreon is up and running a year. Over a year. Yeah. And we've definitely been doing bonus episodes since I would say April every week. So, yeah. and we were doing them monthly before that. So there's loads, absolutely Answer loads. question, there are loads. And we will be doing some Christmassy movies uh, next month as part of Movie Club. And I think we'll squeeze in one more Zoom for patrons at some stage. Yeah, we'll have a little Bandwagon's Christmas party with all our patrons. Yeah. So again... If that sounds like your buzz, you can sign up per month or you can sign up annually. You get all of that. Um, and it really supports us. Breed was able to buy a new mic. So we've been able to record remotely. Um, and it just helps us do what we keep doing. And I I sound like a broken record, but we really, 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 really do appreciate it. Um, so thank you very much. going to be like, we really, really, really need the money. <laughs> and we do really, 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 really need the money. But we appreciate it more. We appreciate it more than we need. but um, And we are very grateful. So this podcast has been produced by Shane at Collaborative Studios. Oh yeah. We are Bandwagon's podcast everywhere on social media. Um, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, but only if it's nice. Follow us on Spotify. You'll get all the new episodes there as they hit Spotify. Um, we will be back. We'll have to get Shane to like superimpose some of his laughter onto these episodes because it's just not the same. I know it really isn't, is it? No, he just didn't fucking mute. He is laughing. He's just muted. He is laughing. He's never not laughing at us. <laughs> laughing with us, not at us. But laughing at us all the time. Um, we, I have been Fanula. I've been Breed. We have been Bandwagons. Thank you very much, and we will talk to you next week. Good night. Good night. <laughs> yeah.